Um, so I serve as the communications coordinator here, and something that we've been doing, the social media team and I, over the last couple weeks is gathering questions because so many people have different questions about faith, about faith during a pandemic crisis, and something that we've, we've only done it a couple of times in the three years that Southridge has even been birthed. Um, and so every time for a couple of different reasons, we've had more people attending um, now because of this crisis. We just find a reason um, that we really need to address these questions. We have different people at different stages in life, and, um, and, and so we just really wanted to be able to put you in the hot seat and just ask you some of these questions that came in. And so I'm going to turn it over to you because I know you have some stuff you want to say too. Yeah, so I know like if you listen, you're like, gosh, that's uh, pretty quick how you give an answer. Um, part of it is I've been around the Bible for about 25 years, uh, reading it and studying it. Um, I've given my life to this, so when I first wake up in the morning, this is what I spend my, my life doing, my time doing. So we want to do two things. One, give practical help, but also show you that our hope is always and will always be in Jesus. And so everything that I'm trying to communicate is to give you practical advice, but also to give you a sure hope that Jesus um, really is the only one that can help us through, um, especially a crisis like this. So one of the things that I've learned over the last 25 years is the more you understand God, the less you will fear. And if you make it personal, the, I mean, the, the more I understand God, the, the less I will fear. Um, but the more we understand God, the less we will fear, and that's so important. So one of the things I love that that, um, that Paul writes to Timothy, and just a young pastor, he says, hey, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, and that power comes from the Holy Spirit. I love, um, we've been asked to follow Jesus' command of love others as I have loved you, and guess what, you're upstreet kids, and are learning that this morning. So that's pretty neat how we're all kind of learning the same thing together. And then I love what he says, hey, you also need some self-discipline. It takes effort, it takes sacrifice to open up the Bible or open up your version app and to learn and to read about God. So I just want to kind of throw that out there, but I guess it's time to jump into Throw it out to you, I yeah. know. And our first question too is actually just surrounds this whole idea of fear and not knowing God enough to understand this. And so um, so first question, I'm going to hit you with it. It's why would God allow for this pandemic to even happen? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I'm sure this question has been asked uh, in the 1300s. I'm not sure maybe it was asked that way, but I'm sure it was asked. Um, as you think about it with the Black Plague, as you think about the Spanish flu, as you think of SARS and MERS and all of that stuff that was happening, I'm sure people have asked this question, and quite honestly, I have no idea why God chose this virus at this moment to be a pandemic. I have no idea. In the same breath, I do know that God never wastes suffering, pain, and tragedy. I know that he doesn't. And so one of the things that I really want to communicate is that God is renewing all things to himself. And we've been talking about this during the Enneagram series is that God is trying to get us back to what it was like in Eden where it was God and humanity and it was abundant life, it was satisfying life, it was it was everything we needed and then sin got in the way. And sin has, we have felt the ripple effects and we felt the, I believe that COVID-19 is an echo of the brokenness of this world. And so one of the things that we're, we're, we're trying to get least that I'm asking God for is help me to see your perspective. If you're kind of renewing all things to yourself, you're, you're 
you're going to to overcome things like this. And the way that we see you overcoming things like this is we see your hand at work with the medical professionals as they're risking their lives to be with people. And even if they're in the hazmat suit, I mean, people are still risking their lives. And then you have the first responders that are trying to get the people to uh, the health professionals. And then you also have just volunteers that are willing to be within six feet or less than six feet of each other trying to accomplish (laughs) some things. But what's so cool about the volunteers is people are, uh, they're donating blood. Um, they're willing to deliver meals. You, you see God at work through people. Um, and it just shows you that we are unique by being created in God's image. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you about um, one of the comments that we had on Facebook today, our, our most recent post, um, at least as of now, <laughs> while we're recording, um, was about being a light in the community. And one of um, our regular attendees was telling us that she goes out to the schools where they're delivering meals and she just waves to the kids to let them know, hey, like someone loves you and I'm here just to let you know that. So and cool. so it's it's amazing and, and that God gives us these opportunities and these dark times to really be his hands and feet. And so um, while we don't understand why, we still have an opportunity to glorify him. Oh, absolutely. So this is our next question. How can we respond to this coronavirus pandemic? No, I would say definitely see it as an opportunity. Um, this is a unique opportunity that God's given us to Uh, give people the hope of the world which is Jesus and so this is just a unique opportunity one of the neatest things is um, we we went a lot further faster went online we weren't we weren't expecting to do online so quickly but we turned it around our team has done an amazing job and here's what's so cool about what we've seen the results so we joined thousands of other churches to do the whole online experience 28,000 people over the last two Sundays have clicked the I have decided to follow Jesus button now, three were at Southridge. Now, we know one was a test. So. And that was actually me. <laughs> I was I, like, what is this button? And so, so if you see that button now, now we all know. We, we all know. So, yeah, if you're already a follower, don't click that button. Uh, but do click the slides underneath. But one of the neatest things is, again, people are coming to know Christ in, in such uncertainty. So I love, and I'm going to pull this up, I love what... Um, James, Jesus' brother, says, and again, this is just reminding us, we need to approach this opportunity in faith and not fear. He says this, he says, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and it's useless. So, so faith in order to work um, is, like, is like a muscle. You have to work it out in order for it to, to be effective. And so uh, I worked out a couple, week, uh, a, couple, a couple days ago and I hadn't worked out since wrestling and I was like laid up for a couple days. It really was exhausting, but it was hard, but it was rewarding after like day three. I'm like, okay, now I know. And what happens, we're stretching things that haven't been stretched in a while. And so in a unique opportunity like this, it's hard, it's difficult, but you're stretching things that maybe haven't been stretched in a while. And that's why it's so important that we approach this opportunity in faith. One of the things, I wrote this down to you, this was so cool. But C.S. Lewis wrote this in On Living in an Atomic Age. And it reminded me of how people are responding to the COVID-19. So if you could take a nuclear bomb and replace it with virus or COVID-19, this is what he wrote. He says, this is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb or virus, let that bomb or virus, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things like praying, 
working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, well, reading books. We've got to be self, you know, self-quarantined, chatting to our friends over a pint, over FaceTime, and a game of darts or cards or even Monopoly. Not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs or viruses. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. But they, it, the virus, need not dominate our minds. That was so good. Yeah, I love that. I, you know you know this about me, and um, some of the people watching probably know this about me too, but I struggle with your anxiety. And so um, during all this unknown, uh, to hear that and to know that, you know, just to stay true to faith is just so rewarding. And, um, you know, like you were saying earlier, we never knew we were going to, be able to use church online at this point in Southridge's life. And so um, to have these Zoom meetings with our groups and to be able to interact with each other on social media, God had a piece in that to say, like, this is when the virus is going to happen. But look at all these things that I've put in place for you to protect you and, yeah. and keep you um, when your anxiety is rising like this. And so I, I just really love that. Thanks. Oh, sure. Thanks for that. So I'm going to shift a little bit now. Um, as you know, with the virus, there's a lot of unknown as far as jobs. Unknown, sorry, as far as job security. And so that's where our next question takes us. I want to keep supporting Southridge, but I'm in jeopardy of losing my job because of the virus. Do I keep tithing or pay my bills? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. So so a, a couple things. First, I'm sorry to hear that, whether you've lost your job or you're bound to lose your job. Um, hopefully, by the, as we're recording this, hopefully um, they're able to get this whole um, bill settled where we're able to get paid and business are able to pay their employees. So hopefully that is beginning to happen. That's a great safety net. One of the cool things with living in this country. Separately, um, my wife and I, we went through this in 2008. We were down to one income. Uh, it was when the stock market fell, so we lost thousands of dollars in you know, future retirement and even our savings. Um, one of the things that we were st- we still were committed to doing was to give to the church and pay our bills. And one of the ways we were able to do that was because of three months of of savings that we had we had saved, or three months three months of expenses we had saved. So the short answer is both. You you if. If you have income, you have a responsibility to support your local church. Um, I, I know that may not be easy to hear, but there's really two ways. You, you tithe, which is 10%, or you give, which is you know, less than 10%. But if you have income, you are you have a responsibility to support your local church. But if you don't have income, there's nothing to give, so mm-hmm. nothing to give to the church. The long answer is it'd be really wise, and this is... This might be some silver lining in a situation like this. It's really wise to to follow sort of the Dave Ramsey approach or the financial peace approach, and, and this is something we've talked about. There's the six baby steps, making sure you're saving thousand dollars and putting that cash on hand. You have easy access to that emergency fund, making sure you're paying off all your expenses, and then you go right into paying. Um, uh, hold on, yeah, thousand dollars cash, pay off your your bills. And, and your expenses. Yeah, yeah, your expenses. And then I know there's a couple more. Um, oh, mm-hmm. save three to six months of expenses, save for college, and then uh, begin to pay off your mortgage early, and then build wealth and give generously. So those are the steps we encourage you to follow, too. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing, just to shed light of, it's, it's that giving that keeps these experiences going. Great point. Um, and so... 
you know, if you're finding hope through online church or through groups or through whatever it is, this is um, something truly that we believe to invest in. And so, um, you know, so with all these unknowns, um, some people are wanting to know how do I encourage my friends who are not believers, who aren't giving or don't understand that piece of it, um, who aren't in groups, just, just the unbelievers, what scripture verses can I share with them? How do I encourage them? No, I mean, that's really good. Um, so for, for fellow Christians and, and people who are followers of Jesus, they're, they're going to, Scripture is going to resonate with them because the Holy Spirit lives with them, lives in them. Uh, for someone that's not a, a follower of Jesus, it might be a little harder for it to resonate with them. Um, but I would definitely go to Psalm 61, Psalm 91, and I love the Psalms because they were written in times of distress and crisis. Mm-hmm. And so for us to have that is such a really cool thing. I would even go and also just, and this is just me personally, I love the story of Jehoshaphat. Um, I was reminded of it by someone on Sunday. It was just a really good story. Um, but the story of Jehoshaphat, which is in Second Chronicles, is a really cool story. Um, and just shows you that they were in a crisis and they were like, look, we can't figure this out. God, we need you. Uh, so it was a really inspiring story. That's great. Thanks. Um, you know, there were some churches who didn't close their doors and, um, you know, Southridge did. <laughs> we're in a unique situation. And so how do you respond to that? What do you think of that? Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I will, uh, I'll reserve my judgment on some other churches because in the end, I'm responsible for our church. I'm not responsible for, you know, you know for X church down the road. I'm not responsible for them. Uh, that pastor is so so the thing that makes my position very unique in our church is that one day i'm going to have to stand before god and give an account with how i handled this um that's that's intimidating that's scary but it also keeps me very um in check mm-hmm. so it might be better for me to explain why we made the decision so we made the decision for really two reasons one it's the most responsible thing to do. We weren't afraid of anything, but it was we were very we want to be responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, this wasn't out of fear. This was out of responsibility. The second thing is if we talk about loving the bird, one of the best ways we love the bird, and we would get that from is Jesus says, "Love others as I have loved you." So when we say loving the bird, that's what we mean. We're living that commandment out. But a way that you love people is not affecting them. So staying home, staying quarantined, you know, doing the doing what we need to do to keep people healthy is the the, the wise thing to do. So that's kind of why we made that decision. So and we respect that so much. And I've heard because we do have high risk people in our church, and um, respect is part of that love. And so that's great. Thanks. Sure. All right, here's another one. We're going to shift gears again. We're going to go back to the Enneagram series. Uh (laughs) We found it helpful, especially when it came to my number. Will you do a teaching series on the temperament colors? Yeah, yeah. No, so that's great. I'm glad you got something out of the Enneagram series. That's really good. I've heard some really encouraging things about it, which is really cool. Um, Yes, I'm really interested in doing that maybe next winter. So. Um, what that means, like, so the person that asked that question, um, I don't know if they were or not part of the group that um, met last, I think last year, we had Jeff and Emily lead a small group, and it was a short-term group, and they did the study on the temperaments called I Said This, You Heard That. It's a really cool study, and it helps us really live out conflict and relationship resolution. And so, yeah, we're, I'm totally game for doing that maybe next winter, so... 
Yeah, that'd be great. I know um, for us personally, it was great, or I speak about my husband and I, to just know more about why we're responding the way that we are. And so that communication piece is huge. And so hopefully other other families were seeing that too through the Enneagram series. All right, here's the next one, back to relationships. <laughs> I've been inviting the person I'm dating to attend church with me, but they don't seem that interested. What should I do? No, that's, that's yeah, that's that can be tough. Um, sometimes when sometimes when we jump into a relationship, sometimes we can be so emotionally attached that we don't really do a good job with thinking long term mm-hmm. because we're sort of just in the now, we're in the fatuation stuff. So a, a couple things. If they're not interested now in the things that you're interested in, most likely when you get married, they're not going to be interested in the things that you're you're still interested in. I would say as a follower of Jesus, the most important decision anyone's going to make is what they do with Jesus. What they do with the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's the most important decision anyone's going to have to make. So, church helps us live that out. Mm -hmm. So, I need encouragement like anyone else needs encouragement. That's why I'm there almost every Sunday because I want to be with our people. That's why I'm in group. That that means so much. And so, there's a scripture... um, I think I actually talked about this a little while ago, but there's a scripture and it says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Like all of us are different and that's why we need each other as a church. And so um, think of yourself and the church, not as a a bucket of golf balls or a bag of golf balls, but think of us as a, a bag of cluster of grapes. And so the bucket of golf balls, we're just together but we're not connected but the cluster of grapes we're together and we're connected Mm -hmm. and we're connected to the vine which is Jesus and so that's sort of how that analogy plays out so if you're spending your time connected with people who are running the same direction you are there's going to be a lot of life given to you um, and support and encouragement and if you're in a relationship with someone that doesn't want that and they're running in an opposite direction it's going to be very difficult to sustain momentum when it comes to your faith And then even when you add kids to the mix, they're just going to reveal the things that we don't got working in our relationship. (laughs) They're going to reveal all the mess. And so there's going to be different core beliefs. So my encouragement would be, look, have a tough conversation. Look at that person in the eye and say, look, I'm all in on Jesus and I want you to be. And if you're not going to be, I'm going to have to make the difficult decision um, to move on. I know that's probably not what you want to hear. But I believe it's the most important thing long term because, look, I'd rather you be alone, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I'd rather you be alert, alone and, and live in a life that Jesus has for you than being lonely in a marriage. Um, so that would be my encouragement. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, that's great. To be alone and fulfilled by the love of Christ. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. And so this one says, my friend has walked away from God. How do I share the gospel with them? they once believed it and now they're not they've walked away from it no this is a good this is a really good question so uh, a, a couple things um if you're watching and you're unfamiliar with what the gospel means the gospel just means good news so it was a word that they used when they were writing the new testament so they most of our new testament was written with common greek and so there was a word called gospel or good news, and they would connect that to what Jesus did, his death and resurrection. And so through Jesus' death, we receive forgiveness, and through his resurrection, we receive eternal life. So 
we're made new, which is so cool. But here's the cool thing. The gospel does four things for us. It's, it's what God does for us. And so he rescues us, he pursues us, he changes us, he saves us. And that's what he does for us. And how he did that is he sent his son on mission to die in our place. I love what Paul says. He says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that you have been saved. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So it's what he's done for us. It's also what he's done in us. So he gives us the Holy Spirit. When we believe, we get the same spirit that, that was with Jesus. I mean, that's so cool. And that Holy Spirit changes you, changes me. And I love, again, what Paul writes. He says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He also writes, he says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so not only is what he does for us, not only is what he does in us, but he's also what he does through us. And so we see all the good works that are being done by the church. That's because we are being empowered to do that. It's what God does through us, sharing the gospel, accomplishing his will, his purpose, his plans. Jesus even says this. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Remember we talked about the whole vine thing and how we're all connected to Jesus. He says, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And then Paul, again, it's like he knows what he's talking about. Paul says again, he says, For we are God's masterpiece or workmanship. For he created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So not only is what he does for us, in us, through us, but it's also what he does with us. And now this is really cool. So thanks for keep listening. He sets us up as joint heirs with Jesus. So we're adopted sons and daughters of God, which means we have, he gives us the same status with Jesus. That means we are able to inherit heaven, which is great. But it also means that before we even get to the new heavens, the new earth, that we're able to roll and reign with Jesus. I mean, that's really cool. Check this out. Blessed are, blessed and holy. I got a little ahead of myself, a little excited. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. Man, that's so cool. And then, check this out. John sort of sums it all up. He says, look, God's home is now among his people. He's talking about the new heaven, the new earth, where God is the centerpiece. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I cannot wait for that day. And there will be no more death, no sorrow or crying or pain. I cannot wait for that day. All these things are gone forever. And so like with this being said, you know, as you're communicating um, the gospel with them, just hear their story. I mean, I know for me, I grew up in, in sort of the, you know, Catholic background, and then I got saved, and when I got came to know Christ, it was a more of a charismatic background, and I remember going to the old summer camps, and um, 
burning the CDs and stuff. I mean, it was just one of those things. And I remember people coming to know Christ or making the decision to follow because they didn't want to go to hell. They'd rather go to heaven. They say a prayer. They kind of walked away from it because they got back into life. And then once they got married and had kids, it was like, well, let me get back to church. And they missed so much. And so I would just hear the story. It could be someone that someone walked away because they got challenged in college by a professor. And maybe they walked away. I would do everything I can to listen um, and just encourage them that eternal life doesn't start sometime in the future. It actually starts now because we get to live forever the moment we believe. That's when eternal life starts because the Holy Spirit is eternal and he lives what's inside <laughs> you and me. That's so cool. So hopefully that helps. Oh, it's a huge help. And I think um, this verse in Revelation where there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. What an amazing um, thing to just cleave to right now in this time. Whether, you know, I mean, for all we know, this time right now is making people question why is all this happening. We had a question about that. And so um, this really is a big help and to be reminded that there's so much more behind why people have walked away. So thank you for that. Yeah, so that kind of concludes our interview. How's the hot seat? Uh, it's cooling down. <laughs> it's cooling down. It's cooling down. That's great. That's great. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in and um, being here. If you have more questions, I'm kind of throwing you back in the hot seat, but by all means, email info at southridge.us. Some of these questions might have stirred up even more questions for you, and, and that's okay. Let's talk them through. We have the time, right? And so um, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.